What is up, guys? Welcome in to episode 29 of Swimming Upstream. I am Alex Carver, and boy, oh boy, do we have a treat for you guys today. If you want to find a standout performer in the Marlins organization over the past two months of the minor league season, you won't have to look much further than Cameron Meisner. Since late July, the Marlins 2019 competitive balance round pick has caught absolute fire in single A advanced Beloit been promoted to the double-A level, and despite that huge jump, hasn't missed a beat through his first 12 games in Pensacola. So to talk about it all, his buildup through his amateur career, his early development as a pro, his breakout performance this season, and much, much more, Daniel DeVivo and I are super excited to bring to you an exclusive interview with the man himself, Cameron Meisner. In the middle of the Blue Wahoos' last road trip of the year, Cam was kind enough to join us, and we think this interview really paints the picture as to why we think Meisner has arrived as a player and is here to stay. So without any further ado, guys, here it is, our sit-down with Cam Meisner. Enjoy. There's a swing. That is hit deep into center. Mitchell back, still going, still going. It's off the center field wall. Cribs coming home to score. Another RBI double. This time it's Meisner, and the lead is up to two. All right, guys, we are pleased to be able to welcome in a very special guest. He has been one of the hottest hitters in the Marlins minor league system in the second half of this season, spurring a big call up to the double-A level where his success has continued in his first 12 games so far with Pensacola. He's been on base so far in 30 of his last 31 games overall. Just, just stats galore for this guy. It's been a spectacular breakout performance to watch. So joining me and Daniel DeVivo on the show to talk about his growth in the game, including this season, coming to us from... I think Alabama, where the Wahoos are about to begin their final series of the regular season. It's Marlins outfield prospect Cameron Meisner. Cam, thanks so much for coming on, donating your time to us. We really appreciate it. Uh, pleasure to meet you, man. Pleasure to get to speak with you. What's going on? How are we doing? I'm doing good, man. And yeah, you're right. We're in uh, Madison, Madison, Alabama. Uh, yeah, ready to get the week started and, and ready to get after it. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear it. Uh, thanks again, man, for doing this. Uh, Daniel and I have a couple things lined up for you. Um, we'll just go back and forth as I explained, and we'll close it out with a quick fire round. Um, so yeah, if you're ready, we'll get it going. Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So uh, I'll take the first one. Um, just we're going to go basically through your career so far as much as we can. Uh, you played, I'm going to go back to college first. You played obviously for Missouri um, in the Southeastern conference, which as we know, and everybody that follows baseball and collegiate baseball, one of the premier conferences in D1. So um, just the question here is how did playing in the SEC and with Mizzou prepare you for such an advantageous translation to your career in pro ball? Yeah. You know, playing and going from high school to college, high, college teaches you a lot of, a lot of little things, a lot of how to do certain things, how to take the game, uh, you know, and change it in the, in the way that the way you want it, you know, you can, there's got a lot of things college teaches you that, that, you know, you can't learn here. Things that meet a lot harder for you to hear that help you out once you get here. And I think it just teaches you a lot about yourself and uh, how just the overall aspect, you know, how to play the game and, and how to go about it the right way. And I think when it, when you get here, it, uh, you know, it really helps you. Cam, to follow up on that, what would you say are the, let's say they're the key differences between SEC ball and, um, and, and minor league ball, apart from obviously the, the bats, what would you say are those things that are the bigger differences? I'd say the biggest one for me is just every day. I mean, you go to college, you play your Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then you have a couple of midweeks, uh, you know, one or two, and then, you know, you're back at, you got a few days off, you're back at it in the weekend, but here it's, you know, it's an everyday thing. And it's having an adjustment period of figuring it out, 
you know, how you can be the best you every single day. You know, it gets tough every once in a while, but I think that's something that college really helps you out and uh, just kind of matures you and, and teaches you different different aspects of how almost how you play the game and what your strengths and weaknesses are to allow you to incorporate that each and every day here. I had one more quick follow-up on this, Cam, before we get to the next question. Um, summer ball, after your freshman year, we've seen a lot of players do this after their freshman year of college. So what did that do for you specifically at that point in your playing career to help your development? Uh, mainly at-bats. You know, you get to uh, – you have your full college season, you get it under your belt, and then that summer they send you off. And really it's just uh, it's just getting more at-bats and getting more familiar with the game and uh, – and just overall just growing, you know, growing throughout your uh, growing throughout your process as a hitter and things like that. It, it really just gets you more ABs and, and more, you know, practice time. Gotcha. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll go along. Uh, we'll go to the draft. Um, probably had attention from a lot of teams as one of the, the top hitting prospects in the draft from what we heard from evaluators and everything. So um, my question here is specifically on the Marlins. Um, how much content, contact did you have with uh, the Marlins area scout? Um, how much did you guys talk? And what about the Marlins and Miami really appealed to you and excited you the most? Uh, the, the, uh, the thing about the Marlins that appeals to me the most is it's almost like, you know, kind of Mizzou. Everybody thought of Mizzou as kind of the lower half of the SEC. You know, it inspires you when you show it up each day to want to be, you know, the better half of the SEC. And it, it's almost like, in the, like last year, they're calling the Marlins the bottom feeders. You know, it's kind of it's kind of the same thing. It's like it's, you want to be a part of something that grows into something bigger. And it's like uh, I've heard Jeter talk a few times, and he talked about wanting a challenge, and that's why he took on the Marlins is because he wanted another challenge. And uh, you know, I I, I I think that speaks a lot to me is just wanting the challenge. You know, showing up every day, knowing that people are got their backs turned, and just wanting to make a difference. And that's what something I'd like to be a part of. We've we've talked about it a lot and how a draft is. I mean, I, I can't even imagine the you know the tension, everything that goes through a young man's head during that day. So in your case, um, you know, what did you see in your junior year um, that that kind of impacted how the draft turned out? Do um, kind of walk us through that junior year and that draft day. Uh, junior year, it was, uh, lots of ups and downs. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you, you hear everything, all the preseason stuff comes out, all that, you know, honestly, looking back at it, none of that means anything. And, uh, you know, it's hard, it's hard being that player to, to not think about that stuff. And people say they don't, but they do. And, uh, you, you see things, you hear about things and, it's just you just gotta stay with you know what you're good at. You gotta stay. You gotta know your know your strengths and weaknesses and how you know how you play the baseball game and how you go about it. And you just have to you just have to stick to it. You know you have to be a you have to be a selfish selfish player at some points. You gotta you gotta do what you need to do to help the team win. And that's about it. You know you can only control what you can control. And you know throughout the year that can get that slips away from you. Especially that year, you start seeing other guys doing other you know better things and start trying to do more and just stuff like that, just, just slippery slope. And, uh, and yeah, I think just, you know, coming down to draft day, you, you get all the excitement and you just put it all in your family and, you know, just, just enjoy it. That's uh it's all, it's all, I mean, all your hard work comes down to, you know, that day and you just hope you get rewarded for it. Yes. Okay. Let's, let's continue here um, through, through your career. So now you're drafted, right? You, 
you get eight games with with the GCL Marlins. Um, you know, first extensive pro experience in 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 Clinton. After that, mm-hmm. so it was a really good team. Uh, made the the playoffs, I believe, uh, that year. So just some thoughts about that initial adjustment to to the pro level. Um, how you were able to make that happen? You know, to to get some good results. What were those big adjustments you had to make to be successful? Um, you know, whether it's mechanically or what what happened for you to to start begin growing as a player you mentioned the grind was was a big change uh coming from college so what else would you say did coaching really um impact you or yeah i think i think coming to you know a uh, professional setting when i got drafted in clinton i think one of the biggest things wasn't necessarily mechanics or anything like that because the marlins the marlins didn't do any of that with me they, they you know they wanted to see me play for that year and before they really put their hands on me and kind of told me what they what they wanted and that kind of stuff but I think the biggest thing for me was just walking into that locker room and like the our manager Jacobs uh Mike Jacobs I mean there's just certain things that you know you feel welcome when you walk in and I think a lot of that has to do with with our manager and the team that we had and I think we all got along we all bonded well and you know it was a good atmosphere and everybody you know it's a good place to play. I think that goes a long ways whenever we're trying to play every day and you're not used to it, you know. Right, exactly. Uh, we'll go along. Uh, we'll come up to 2020, Cam. Um, of course, as we all know, uh, the pandemic wipes out uh, minor league baseball season. So we've asked other players about this. We had Troy uh, Johnston on not too long ago. He had some interesting answers to this. I got to ask Griffin, your teammate, about this. He had some some nice answers about what he did with with his dad, of course. But just for you, what, what did you do, um, you know, in the background by yourself to, to stay ready um, you know, and, and to really just just keep the tool sharpened, I guess. Last year is last year. Yeah. You said? Mm-hmm. What did I do last year? Well, well, so we went to spring training and then we had a couple weeks of spring training. And then we got sent home mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I just kept doing what I was working on spring training, just kept hard at it and, uh, you know, hoping to play and then got more and more in the season. And the more it kept getting pushed back and, you know, then I started hunting. So. I got away from baseball, you know, I took my mind off of it, hunted a few, and then, you know, again, got right back into it uh, later in the year. But, you know, I think there's there's certain ways different people get away from baseball, you know, there's you got to relax your mind from it. And that's one of the ways I did it. And I think that was a huge, you know, huge thing for me. I was able to do that and practice my game at the same time. So just a mixture of good things, you know, help me out of where I am now. Okay, so you mentioned spring training. Um, you went in 2020, and then you went again, participated again this year, 2021. Um, can you kind of go through that experience, what it meant to you to, you know, play with the big league guys, start meeting um, more of your teammates? Just, you know, what were the takeaways on your side? Uh, takeaway from spring training, man. There's, you know, you can list them. There's a, there's multiple ones, but. I think in the first one in my belt, it, uh, you know, as your first one, you don't really know what to ex- or expect. You don't know how to go about the off season. I think uh, my off season, I'm going to be going about it a little differently this year. Um, but yeah, just get, just being there in spring training and seeing some of the veteran guys and how they go about their business and, and, uh, and their routines and just different things like that. It, you know, it opened my mind of, you know, what ways I can get better and, and how they do it and how I can incorporate it into my game and, you know, vice versa. So that was 
definitely one of my biggest takeaways was just seeing seeing how really successful you know veterans do it and how they go about their off season and how they're how how it translates throughout the season. Let's come up to on field this year, Cam. Man, um, like I said before at the start, it's been really good lately. Um, as I said, um, on base in like thirty of your last thirty one games, tied for the organizational lead in doubles. That includes Major League Baseball, by the way. Working really good, patient at bats. Numbers continue to look good. And for you, it really all started for, I mean, like early July, I would say probably all started for you. Right. So what were you working on from the start of the season till then on this current run that you're on, what really clicked for you and how have you made this performance possible? Oh, well, you know, there was, there are certain things I did at the plate that, that, uh, coming out of college, like I didn't clean that just weren't going to, weren't going to translate to this level. And, you know, I spent all last year working on them and all spring training this year. And I even the first part of this half working on it. And, uh, you know, finally it, it kind of clicked for me and, and, uh, kind of clicked for me. And then I know, I know the like body positioning and stuff like that. I know, uh, learned a lot about how to hurt, hit different pitches, uh, different counts to different, different areas. And it, you know, now I just kind of have a set plan and, and, you know, just always being on the attack of that plan that, for, for me, it's just helped. So just being, being aware of, of my, like overall swing, just knowing myself, I think it's allowed me to, to spit on pitches that, you know, my swing doesn't play well with. And uh, it's allowed me to get pitches that, you know, my swing does play well with and do and start doing some damage with them. Uh, yeah, uh, quick follow-up to that, Cam. We had a, a question that our buddy Eli wanted to ask. Um, coincided, kind of, it's kind of coincided with this this recent uh, run that you're on. Um, you know, it's the opening of, of Beloit's new stadium. I, I know you didn't spend like a ton of time there. It was only like a handful of games, right? But man, you're really good in that stadium. So uh, just uh, some differences, some main differences, especially for the younger guys that you just left. Um, differences between playing at Pullman Field versus the new ABC Supply Stadium. How much better? Um, you know, how much better fit is it for hitting, uh, whatever you think. Yeah, I mean, that, you know, at the end of the day, it's the same game. You know, you, you know, the cliche, you show up, you know, you're playing the same game, but it's a, it's a lot easier showing up to that new stadium than it is Pullman. I can, I can tell you that. And I think everybody, everybody knows that and everybody's on the same page with that. But, uh, you know, when you're playing every day, it's, you know, Pullman gets hard to show up to. It's not the the best facility in the world, but, the ABC supply stadium, the new one, it you know, it's great. You know, everybody showed up. It's it was almost like a it was almost like a, a real like a new start, you know. It was everybody got a new stadium. It was, it was like opening day for opening night. I think there was I'm not sure how many people, but it was packed. You know, it's uh just a good place to play, good park to play. It plays true to, you know, the both pitching and the hitting side. If you square one up, it's gonna go, but you know, if you don't, it's going to stay in the park. So it's uh, just a really good park to play at and, you know, a really good park for this organization to have. It really does look beautiful. I mean, everything that I've seen is just, is just amazing. We're, we're going to have to go up there, Alex. <laughs> yeah, you guys uh, need to. It's nice. Sure, right? It is nice. <laughs> maybe next year. <laughs> uh, maybe next year. Um, so now, of course, you're with you're with the with the Wahoos, uh, Pensacola um, and you just continued as, as if nothing. So we do ask this uh, to a lot of guys, kind of the difference between high A and double A hasn't shown in your game if it's more difficult, but do you, well, like, what would you, would you say that pitchers are, are, you know, they execute more what they plan? Um, 
would you say then it just pitching is just much harder stadiums what are your thoughts on that man my my biggest thing i think from from high a to double a it's not that the the pitches are any nastier or anything like that but the 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 location the pitchers are able to they're able to spot up whatever pitch they want that makes sense so if they you know in high a there'd be guys with good stuff right but you know, not always can they throw exactly where they want. And it seems like for in this last couple of weeks I've been up here, the pitchers we faced have kind of had plus stuff and they've been able to place it, you know, where they want to place it. So I think I think that's a big uh, – one of the biggest changes I think I've seen is just the overall, I guess, control of the pitching staff. I think they all, they all put it where they want and, you know, you just got to capitalize on their mistake, but hope they give you one. <laughs> Got you. Uh, we had we had a couple on on situational things, you know, between you know where you're playing and matchups and stuff like that. So we'll get to that. Um, you know, my first one is you've hit once one first, I should say, <laughs> through fifth this year in, in lineups between Beloit and now with the Wahoos. Um, so I, I guess the question is, does the mindset as a hitter for you like change at all between hitting in the leadoff spot or on base spot? I should say in terms of switching to an RBI spot, you know, deeper down in the lineup, or is it just the same plan of attack for you? Oh, uh, right now it's about the same plan of attack. Um, I think, you know, my job is as a leadoff hitter is to get on base and, you know, your job all through the lineup is to get on base. And uh, I think when there's runners and, you know, in scoring position, your, your, uh, your approach changes a little bit, you know, depending on what not, it doesn't depend on where you're hitting in the lineup. If there's runners on base, you know, you want to get them in. But I think, uh, I think going from three hole, the the biggest difference is just seeing players hit in front of you and seeing how they're being pitched. Um, that's one thing I, I wasn't for sure if I was you know, too comfortable with hitting leadoff was just not seeing somebody hit in front of me first. But, uh, you know, now I, I don't mind it at all. You know, I actually kind of like leadoff. Um, it, you know, it helps me be aggressive. You know, sometimes I, uh, I get on the less aggressive side and it puts me in hold, but that's one of my – you know, one of my biggest things, but, you know, everybody's got to work on something, you know. And uh, I think leadoff helps me, you know, stay aggressive and just really focus on getting on base because at the end of the day, if you find the barrel, you can't control anything else, so. So regarding, you know, approach, let's talk a little bit about hitting lefties versus versus hitting righties. In college and in that showing in 2019, the platoon splits had some distance between them. You know, you were much better against righties. Um, but for this season, they've, you know, they've, they've kind of come together. So have you done some work on that and trying to recognize better uh, coming from lefties? What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, you, you like I grew up my whole life, you, every BP guy you have, everybody throwing is all right-handed. You don't yeah. ever see lefties really. So it, uh, you know, you, when you step in the box, there's a lefty on the mound. You're like, oh man, here we go. There's a lefty. <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's not as, you're not as comfortable with it. But now, you know, after facing a lot of them and seeing different angles and and just an overall approach and how I want to, you know, how I want to attack that pitcher, just having an, an idea when I step in the box has helped, you know, tremendously. It, uh, you know, now I, I'm almost more comfortable with lefties than I am righties. You know, I'm. Just the way I go about them now, I love I, I love facing them, and uh, you know the ball is going away from you rather than coming in. But that's the one thing is a righty, you're always you're always seeing the ball come into you. You know the sliders are always breaking into you, and you get a lefty that thinks sliding away from you is like how am I supposed to hit that? You know, 
but uh, you know, there's, there's ways of doing that and, and there's ways of, there's ways of controlling, I guess, uh, controlling your AB and, and putting good at bats together, you know, one after one. And, and those, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's all that matters. And, and just passing the baton, you know, to the guy behind you. And I think that's helped me a lot, you know, just overall, just hitting, man, just, just trying to find the barrel, just, uh, just doesn't matter who's on the mound or how that, just wherever you do find the barrel, look for a good pitch, find the barrel because you can't control anything after that. The game's too hard to focus on much more than that. So that's about, that's about what I've been doing. Yeah. I grew up as a lefty in high school and little league before that. And same sentiments for sure. Like yeah. every, everybody that throws to you and BP is a righty. And then yeah, it's just, not, it's, just, <laughs> it's just not a comfortable thing. You step in the box and yeah. all of a sudden the guy is throwing left-handed. It's like, what am I doing? Right. Unnatural completely. For yeah. Sure. It's just not, not comfortable. For sure. Now, but you've adjusted to it. Awesome. As, as Daniel said. Um, all right. Um, I guess two more to get to before we go to the quick fire and then we'll let you go. Um, we want to ask on two of your teammates. Um, I got one and then Daniel's got one. So I wanted to ask about JJ Bleday. Um, you guys played against each other in college. Of course you go in the same mm-hmm. draft. Now you're back together with Wahoo. So just uh, your relationship with him so far as a teammate winding up in the same organization and your thoughts on him as a person and a player. JJ, oh yeah, I mean you can't, you know, you don't get much better than JJ. You know, I've known him for a while. I played against him at Vandy, like you said. I uh, played with him in Newport there in summer. We're on the same team, and uh, you know, played with him several times here. And then now I'm playing with him now. He's just, you know, he's a good guy. He knows, he knows a lot about the game. He knows, you know, how to go about his own business. And uh, you know, it's fun. We're talking the other day about hitting, just going back and forth about, you know, stuff he likes and stuff I like. And it's cool just, you know, picking his brain and, and learning some of the things he learned or he knows about because, you know, how great of a player he is. So it's, uh, you know, it's fun. It's fun to be on the same team with him. And it's fun, uh, it's fun you know, capping off this year with him after I've played with him for, you know, the last four years. <laughs> what about, uh, what about Peyton uh, Burdick? <clears throat> you were together and, in Clinton in 2019, uh, back together now. Just thoughts on him as a, as a person and a player, sharing that outfield with him now, maybe someday with the Marlins. Oh, yeah, Birdie, he, uh, you know, he's a good dude. I'm actually – I'm up here in the press box. I'm, he's out here doing, curling this armband <laughs> right now. I can see him. He's working out on the field. <laughs> but, uh, no, he's a good no dude. He, he – uh, you know, he plays hard. That's one thing about him is he, he plays really hard. And it's fun to it's fun to play with other guys who play really hard because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they're playing for you. And uh, you know, he plays hard. He's a good guy. He's, you know, extremely talented. He, uh, you know, shows up to the park every day wanting to play just like J.J. And, you know, it's fun being a part of being a part of this team with those two guys in the outfield. And, uh, you know, I can't decide for the future what that holds. I also wanted to ask you on the pitching side. I also asked this to uh, to Johnston. Um, who's someone, you know, maybe it was 2019, maybe it was in spring training, this season, whoever, who's a pitcher who, like, you just seen, maybe just seen throw a bullpen or behind him in a game that you just seen him and you you, like, you immediately think that guy is going to be really good, like really surprised you. Who, who's the guy you'd say? Uh... I've seen several. That's a I couldn't even I don't know, I couldn't even name one, honestly. After being, you know, being in Beloit with with A V, Antonio Velez and uh McCambly and and Nicholas and the, some of those guys that got called up here and now watching them here, 
you know, even guys that are still there in the high, like uh, Brian Hoeing and, you know, Puckett and some other several guys, there's everybody seems to, you know, be throwing the ball well. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's it, there's there hadn't been a guy that I haven't wanted to play the outfield behind yet. So it's, uh, you know, for there, there's multiple people that you know, I couldn't just specifically name one. That's awesome. One more before quick fire, Alex. I have to ask about your running man, about your running game. I mean, it's two seasons, right? You've been caught like what three times, four times. So your accuracy and stealing bases is, it's really good. I mean, what would you say is your mindset? Like you're leading off. Well, what's your mindset? Because I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of your your you know your your speed, but yeah, clearly a, a smart runner. So. What are you talking this, about? I learned uh um I can't can't give you my secrets, but <laughs> no. Uh it's there's a there's a certain point when you're when you're stealing bases, you don't you don't steal off the catcher. So right, you steal off the pitcher. And uh I've really I got told that in college and I've really kind of honed into that. And there's ways of stealing off the pitcher, but you know, say if I get to the like a 13 foot mark when I'm when I'm stealing bases, there's a 13 foot mark from first base, usually around the cutoff. If I get there before he the pitcher releases the ball, if I can get to there before he releases the ball, it's like mathematically impossible for any catcher to throw me out. Wow. So it's just kind of playing different odds like that, knowing how you can get your body to that 13 foot mark before he releases that ball. You know, you're putting yourself in you know good good uh, I guess good running situations. So. By the way, I wasn't at the park. <laughs> I was at the park uh, last week when you were caught, and that was safe. I have to say. Oh that yeah, was I was safe. I was safe. The last two times <laughs> I've been called out, I've been safe. See? I mean, you have. Let me check that out really quickly here. You have total amount thirty-seven stolen bases and only caught four times, and three of those four you were safe. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, skill sets just all the around. Two and then there was, yeah, I've been safe the last two. For <laughs> right? <laughs> Minor league umpire. And hopefully that gets cleaned up when you make the major league level. Yeah, hopefully <laughs> that umpire. Hopefully that umpire sees this video. <laughs> yes. Oh man, yeah. So uh, for sure, as as we mentioned through the interview, um, all around skill set hits there, runs there, powers there. Man, everything looks good. Um, really have enjoyed watching your success. It's been absolutely awesome to get to follow and watch. Daniel saw you in person. I haven't been to Pensacola yet, but hopefully next season. But, man, uh, maybe you'll be moved on by then, hopefully. But <laughs> we'll see. But, man, it's, it's been awesome uh, to watch you, and we wish you nothing but congratulations on the success that you've had. And keep it up, man. It's been awesome. Uh, we do have the quick fire to get to if you're up for it before we go. Um, this is just for short answer, you know, question and answer format. So we'll get to that, and then we'll let you go. Uh, get back to uh, – doing what you do. So, uh, yeah, uh, we'll go ahead on here. Um, I'll do two, I guess, Daniel, you could do two. Um, the sure. first one I got, we asked this to a lot of guys as well, but, um, just, uh, you know, we have, you know, our comps that we always say, Oh, this player could be this, or this player could be that, but just a guy, the guys that you looked up to and maybe modeled your game after as you, as you came up. Oh, player comps. Um, mm, I don't know. The other day I was hitting in the cage and our, our hitting coach, uh, Scott Seaball. He told me one of my player comps to him was uh, Paul O'Neill with the Yankees. Oof. And I actually liked that one. Yeah, me too. I like that a lot. I like that one a lot. I was like, man, Scotty, you're kind of hyping me up there. <laughs> <laughs> so I just, I'll, I'll stick with that one. That's a good one. 
Um, your profile on, on Missouri's site says your major was undecided. So if not baseball, um, what would it have been for you? Shoot, that's a, that's a tough question too. But uh, when I was at, when I was at a college, I was going for sports management and, uh, and honestly, I probably would have got some sort of business degree. I'm not sure what I would have done with it, but uh, you know, my family's big into construction. Um, I could have went down that route. Uh, farming, I, you know, I love farming. It's kind of what I did all year last year. It's what I love about business, right? I mean, it's such an open door to anything, yeah. right? You have the knowledge, and after that, you can just do whatever, you know, whatever not, you like. I'm not big at sitting behind a desk. That's my thing. So anything <laughs> that gets me up and about, I was probably down for it. I hear you. I, I was the same way in college. Like I was that, I don't know what the heck I want to do kind of guy. Like I, I yeah. liked certain things and didn't like other things. Like I do right. kind of what I wanted to do, but wasn't sad. Wasn't sure. So yeah, I just went for a straight, you know, general degree. Anyways, we'll right. go on. Um, <laughs> the second to last one that we got, um, Daniel, as I mentioned recently was in Pensacola. I, I told you I haven't been yet. You're new to the area. Um, so favorite thing so far for you um, in exploring the city and playing at this beautiful, you know, Bayfront stadium that they have. Hmm. Well, the favorite thing I've done, I haven't really done much uh, other than go to the field and back and back to the house, but I've been tearing up this uh, jellyfish restaurant. It's called jellyfish. It was like right, right next to our house where we lived. Oh man. I've ate it probably 10 times in the last two weeks. I'm a big seafood guy. That's just about all I've done. We fished, we did fish one time off the beach. We didn't catch anything or I didn't, but that was pretty fun. It was pretty beautiful. Uh, I really liked it. Just quaint on the on the stadium side, nice little you know main street, and and then you just grab that bridge and beautiful yeah. beaches. So yeah, it is really beautiful down there. Yeah. Uh, so to close it out, um, we heard Derek Jeter say in his Hall of Fame speech that baseball teaches you a lot of lessons. If you can pick one up to now, because your career is just just starting, what's the biggest thing? Um, playing this game has taught you oh uh, how to accept failure and learn from it probably I think uh there's nothing in this game that that you just overly succeed at you know what I'm saying like yeah. you can succeed at one point and you know later in the game you're gonna fail I think just knowing knowing how to fail and knowing how to learn from it and not letting it get you you know too far down there's a lot that there's a lot that can be said for that. I think there's a lot of things in life that you fail at, but it's how you how you go about getting you know getting back up and and going about and going about it from there. And I think that's one thing that you know I can truly say I've learned a lot from this game. Yeah, even if you're an amazing yeah, player, you're you're failing seventy percent of the time in the game. Yeah, it's just brutal. Right? Yeah, I mean, brutal. perfect answer, great stuff, uh, man. So yeah, uh, that that's all we got, Cam. Uh, again, me and Daniel, we really, really appreciate um, the time that you spent with us today. Great stuff. And as we said, uh, wish you nothing but continued success. And we hope to see you down here at, at Lone Depot Park um, as soon as possible. Um, we want to send a quick thanks as well to Chris Gragiola um, and Dan Kurish and Jason Latimer for helping us set this up. Really awesome. Uh, taking the time on a road trip uh, late in the season. So we really no, appreciate, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, for sure. And thanks for coming on and uh, get back to it, man. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thanks right, so much. Thank you. See you, man. So there you have it, guys. Some awesome, awesome stuff from Cam Meisner, an extremely level-headed, impressionable guy. 
who's maturing physically, mechanically, mentally, everything you want, and all at a rapid rate here early in his pro tenure. I think that can be proven in a lot by a lot of what he said, um, adjusting to lefties, translating between levels despite that big jump to double A, his prowess on the bases, as he told Daniel. And what's really stood out to me is that last answer, the fact that he said he's understanding that baseball is a game of failure and that he tries to learn from each experience that he has, whether it's positive or negative. Then uh, I'm going to get to the stats just really quick, and we're going to talk about what we think could be next for him uh, coming up. But I just wanted to get your quick thoughts, a quick rebuttal. Uh, what did you think of Cam? And, uh, yeah, just some things that stood out. First of all, just a great kid. Um, you could see it immediately. He's very mature. And, like, you can see. Like, you can see he found it. Um, he was kind of, like, on the fence. He was good game, bad game, good game, bad game. Um, but he found it. Like, he found something in his game, as he mentioned. Um, and, and you can tell. There are not many guys who can – go from high A to double A like he did and just keep mashing. Now, to me, that's one of the hardest, if not the hardest um, transitions for a hitter, high A to double A. So it's amazing to see. And it's just great picking his brain on, on, um, on his running game because it really is amazing. You know, he's not one of those guys who, who will, you know, set the, base paths on fire like he doesn't have crazy speed but he's such a smart runner and and you can tell as soon as you see him so yeah really impressed and as i've been saying on twitter just really high on him here's the numbers guys that daniel's talking about and that we talked about during the interview since july 28th it's 329 416 566 slash line 238 iso 168 weighted runs created plus K rate, extremely manageable, 21.7%. Walk rate near 11%. He's walked all year and just continued to do so as he's found that swing. Uh, also, the line drive percentage is way up, so he's finding the barrels much more consistently. I mean, it's, it's a small sample so far with the Wahoos, but 33% line drive rate uh, to begin his career in A, and that's very hard to argue against. I, Dan, I've always said it. I see a lot of Christian Yelich in this guy, and, man, would that be something if, if he turns out to be uh, anything near Yelich? I mean, s- similar path of progression, too, for Yelich. He was a guy that that really found it early in his minor league career and really took off. So, uh, yeah, I, I really do see a lot of Yelich in his mechanics and just the way he's gone about his career so far. And man, like I said, that would that would surely be something if if he got near that ceiling. Uh, the I'll last also thing, take Paul O'Neill. I'll also take yeah. Paul O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with Paul O'Neill either. Oh man. <laughs> oh man, yeah, incredible. Uh, Scott Siebel with that comparison, by the way, who's their hitting coach. So <laughs> hard to argue with that. All right. So uh, the last thing to mention before we get out of here on this episode, guys, I wanted to talk about, Dan, what's next? I mean, you know, I, I think that the Marlins should invite him to the Arizona Fall League. Um, a lot of teams use that kind of as a measuring stick after a season just to really see where a guy is, give him some more reps and see how he does against, you know, some top organizational talent. I, I really think that would be a good fit for him just to gain that experience. Um, I think he will definitely be in his what will be his basically his second spring training, but technically his third, if you include 2020, uh, he will be there in 2022. And I think he's going to get a real look, whereas, you know, his other spring campaigns were just about the experience, you know, being around big leaguers, which he's talked about during the interview. I think this should be more about playing time and, and seeing how he matches up uh, against pro pitching. So 
Um, I think if the Marlins do nothing in terms of signing like a corner outfielder this year, we know they're going to get a center fielder. We know they're looking at catcher. If they don't go out and get a corner outfielder, which they probably should, but if they don't, I think your main in-house competitors for that job would be Burdick, um, De La Cruz, Brinson. If Monte Harrison sticks around, he could be there as well. So yeah, just those guys with more, more experience in the upper level minors, but man, Dan, I really don't think Meisner is far away. Um, if he comes, if he goes to the Arizona fall league and shows out, if he shows out in spring training, you know, I really think that this is a guy that we could see in Major League Baseball sometime in 2022. So just your thoughts on, on what's next for him and where do you see him going? Yeah, um, everyone had Burdick and J.J. Bleday kind of absolutely like a level above him. Um, but I think he has at least started to prove. He hasn't proven it yet. He's telling it's only like 15 games in double. Right. Mm-hmm. But he may be at that level. Um, and early next season, maybe Burdick is kind of running away with it, but Meisner really is, um, you know, starting to prove that, that he, he's built, he belongs in that conversation, as you mentioned, solid fall league, if he's invited. And after that, it's, it's spring training. Man. I mean, if he shows better results than and even Burdick in spring training, that's a possible five-tool guy right there. So probably not starting 2022 with the big league team, but very close. Just a, a phone call away, probably. So exciting. Absolutely. Yeah, and we're, we're going to talk about this in the offseason on, on upcoming shows where he is in relation to maybe J.J. Bladé, who he talked about during the episode with Bladé's struggles this year and how he's broken out. Man, maybe maybe we got to talk about it, you know, um, uh, you know, possibly him eventually and maybe not too far in the future surpassing Blade in terms of where he is as a prospect. But that's a conversation that we will continue to have on Swimming Upstream for now, though. I think that's going to do it for episode 29. Incredible, incredible uh, interview with Cam Meisner. We thank everybody that had a hand in putting that together. Uh, Chris Gradiola, Dan Kirsch, Jason Latimer, everybody with the Marlins and the Wahoos. Thank you. Thank you so much. Dan, thank you for helping me put it together. Of course, can't do it without you. Um, awesome stuff. And yeah, really excited about the future, the, the short-term and long-term future of this baseball player, because we think he's going to be really good. So that'll do it for now, guys. Thanks so much for listening in and giving us the time. And we will see you guys next time on Swimming Upstream. <laughs>